we have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have ha it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things, and you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? Damn it, Donald Trump. How do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> I, I hate it when you're right, Donald Trump. <laughs> but here oh, we man. are. Here we are. We have, uh, you know, $7, $8 a gallon if you're in, in the United States and Canada. What is it right now? It's like a dollar eighty seven. A dollar seventy four last 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 we checked. Well yeah, around I, that range. Yep. I, I saw it crack one ninety in some places. Yeah. It's insanity yeah. Yeah. right yeah. now. By the way, this is the lockdown lowdown, folks. <laughs> Thank for the, you. For the 20 listeners, we do have to self-brand every time yes. and just make sure that you get the brand out there. Yeah. By the way, thank you for joining us. Uh, Stupart, why don't you uh, chime in here? What do you What do you think? Yeah. So thanks. Great clip to start with. As you know, I'm not the biggest Trump fan, but, you know, I got I got to admit when he's right. You know, and uh, we he he was correct, and we've seen the four, five, six dollar mark per gallon, as you said in the U.S. We've seen it crack one sixty, one seventy, one ninety here in in Canada, which is pretty pretty terrible. And let me just say, I'm glad I bought a Toyota. And the reason I'm bought, glad I bought a Toyota is because those puppies are good with mileage. And uh, even though it does pain me, whether it's at a Costco or at a normal retailer like Shell or Petro, it, it is painful, but I'm glad I have a, a fuel efficient vehicle. I mean, it's not the sexiest vehicle, but man, Toyota all the way, bro. Cause it, that, 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 it, 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 uh, you can go a long way without, without having to fill up one of those puppies. Absolutely. But the thing is, is, you know, before these gas prices started to jump up, you know, we also had like crazy inflation, grocery prices going through oh, the yeah. roof. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the truckers have to bring the food. They got to fill up their tanks. Um, the cost of everything goes up when the cost of fuel goes up. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, the fact of the matter is the world is a safer place when we produce energy and oil uh, here in North America. Yeah. So I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. Okay. Uh, do I have your permission to say something? I, you have my full-fledged permission to get as controversial as you want. If you voted for Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden, you are to blame for the gas prices. And you know what? I voted I voted conservative. I hate to say it, but I did vote conservative. <laughs> so you cannot wiggle that finger at me, my friend. I, I, I'm really wiggling it at our co-host, Misha, who's not on oh, the podcast yes. Who couldn't even be but bothered to fucking join tonight. I, I'm, I'm just saying, if we produce oil and gas in North America, yeah. while we still need oil and gas. Yes. Let me get, let me get something clear. Like, I am an environmentalist in a way and not an extremist environmentalist, but I, I really believe that yes, we should get off of fossil fuels, but at this very moment in time, we need fossil fuels. hundred percent. 
we're going to continue using fossil fuels. Yeah. And if we're not the ones producing it, we are putting ourselves in a very precarious situation. Uh, we're also um, making the world a more volatile place. Yeah. Because we're we are enriching other countries such as Russia uh, or, you know, um, Iran. We're giving money to Saudi Arabia. We're giving a ton of money to all of these countries. And as they get wealthier, they get a little cockier and they decide maybe they're going to start invading their neighbors, you know, like yeah. Ukraine. So I'm going to go even a step further and say that if you voted for Joe Biden or Justin Trudeau, it is your fault that Ukrainians have been invaded. It is. That's a little fault. bit far. That's a little bit rich for my taste. I, I don't think that's too far at all. I think I know. I so, OK, OK, OK. So I the first point. Yes. Um, we know that Justin Trudeau is a flip flopper. He starts projects and he doesn't finish them, i.e., and I'm gonna and I'm gonna give you a couple examples in Canada, um, whether it's Ontario or the feds at the federal level, where projects have been started and they keep getting dragged out and not finished. Because this this will actually back up your point. Intentionally. Intentionally. So number one, I'm gonna use a very local Toronto example. This doesn't. This has nothing to do with com like commodities in the sense of like um, natural gas or or fossil fuels, whatever. But I'm just gonna use the example of the Crosstown RT. My, my, the, this is the Crosstown Eglinton line, the rail transit in Toronto. Now you're saying, why are you talking about this during a gas episode? Well, it's an example of how, and for whatever reason, our governments, provincial and federal, just don't seem to get shit done. This line, this production, this LRT line has been in, in production for what, four or five years. It's still not done yet. My, my, my wife has a business on Eglinton and she's disrupted by this, by this ongoing construction. Um, and it's because it's federally, it's sorry, it's, it's, it's government funded. This is taxpayer funded. So they get installments of, of funding, right? And so they drag on this construction in the same way that they've dragged on this, cons this construction of the pipeline, correct me if I'm wrong, the trans, whatever it's called pipeline. Um, it could have been done cheaper. It could have been done faster. But things, whenever things are funded by the government, it's, they seem to get drawn out. And we have so much rich resources. We have so many rich resources in the West, right? I know guys who went out there and, you know, so when I was, here's a quick one. So I was working with a guy whose uh, brother went out to Fort McMurray, worked his ass off for a year, came back, drove a Mercedes off the lot, paid in cash. Wow. So there's so much opportunity in Calgary and it's a boom and bust town. And when it booms, it booms. And there's so much, we have so much rich resources in Alberta. We have, I think the third largest um, oil patch, whatever you want to call it in the world. Like in terms of our resources, we're like one of the world leaders in terms of having oil at our disposal. And yet, to your point, Alex, we are going to Russia, Saudi Arabia, all over the place with this oil. Venezuela. Venezuela. And meanwhile, we could be getting it from our own backyard. And, and don't forget, one other quick thing, then I'll throw it back to you. Don't forget that Canada is an, is relies on trade with the states. If we didn't have the states as a trading partner, we would be dead in the fucking water. And without that pipeline, we don't have the efficiency to get oil quickly 
and efficiently cross the border into the states, into the states, so they can buy it up from us and fuel up their vehicles. Has anything I said off, off, or is what I'm saying pretty much on point, Alex? You are absolutely on point. We're just going to agree with each other. We're just going to agree no. with each other. <laughs> no, but I, I think I, I have some things that you may disagree with. I don't know. Um, I think what you're saying is very true. Like we, we are trying to get our resources out to the world. The world is a safer place when we are buying uh, oil and gas from ethical co- countries. Yes. Um, countries that are not run by mad dictators. Yes. Um, you know, and you, so yeah, you've got uh, Venezuela and Russia, like the two worst countries in the world. And, <laughs> yeah. the, and the, the, the policy um, from day one was, okay, we're going to shut down oil production in North America, and we are going to rely exclusively on these other countries. It is a environmentalist fantasy that yes. shutting down oil production in North America means that the world is going to be, uh, um, you know, carbon neutral, or we're, yeah. we're all yeah. of a sudden going to be driving electric vehicles. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. We're going yeah. to continue fueling our trucks, fueling our 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 boats, fueling everything, fueling industry, uh, manufacturing. All of this stuff is going to continue to be fueled by fossil fuels. Um, and, you know, it's it's just this dream world where you think that shutting all this stuff down is going to magically uh, mean that we're going to make that switch. It's not yeah. going to happen. And Joe Biden uh, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline on his first day into office. What you're doing is is you're not helping the environment. First of all, we're, we're going to buy that oil somewhere else. What you are doing is you're putting your country in a very precarious position where yes. you're re- relying on these these dictators and and everything yes. like that. So the gas prices are off off the charts right now. Yes. And uh, a reporter asked him a fairly basic question. You know, what what are you going to do about the gas prices? Let's see what Joe Biden's response was. It's going to go up. <laughs> Can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. It's going to go up. So not my fault that the gas prices are have gone out of control. Uh, can't do much right now. <laughs> like it's it's ridiculous, man. It's absolutely ridiculous. And while you were giving your very poignant and and on point response and playing this clip, I did think to myself about a couple key issues here. Number one, hundred percent agree that we are supporting these tyrants, these these dictators who have run amok of their country. I mean, like, can you like let's look at Venezuela? They couldn't even afford gasoline in their own country. They couldn't afford gasoline in their own country. You had, we talked about this on our radical leftist, our, our extreme left woke, whatever critical episode we did a couple months ago about, you know, this is Venezuela was one of the most, you know, oil rich producing countries in the world. And even internally in their own country, these, these people are parking their, these bus drivers are parking their buses and then siphoning off the gas out of their buses and then selling it on the black market. It was just, a, it's just a, fucked up country altogether and so why are we why the hell are we supporting russia saudi arabia venezuela 
these these extreme dictators and 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 letting them profit off of us when we have it in our own backyard number one number two it's 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 as you said it hurts consumers so when we when we you know have to when we let's say you know right now we have sanctions on russia so we have to maybe find other ways to get oil i don't know the whole political whatever but basically because of all the political shit that's happening between Russia and, and Ukraine right now, our oil, our, our, our gasoline prices are through the roof, right? As, as you've said. But again, if we look to our own backyard, not only would we be helping consumers at the pump, like you said, we wouldn't be allowing dictators to profit, like you said. And then the third thing is we'd be giving more jobs to people out in Fort McMurray who want an honest day's work. And there are a ton of people out there who are willing to go into those extreme conditions because you can make some good bank. As I said, I know a guy who drove off the lot in a Mercedes, right? And so, and so I think we need to look at our own workforce and our own backyard for the oil rich country that we are. And I, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm all, I mean, I too like to think that I'm, I am conscious of the environment. Um, but now, I mean, this, and until electric vehicle, electrical vehicles become commonplace with it, which they're not, we're not set up to have electric vehicles commonplace right now. Let's be real, right? A Tesla is $70,000. I'm not going to go out and buy a Tesla. Also, I'm not going to go out and charge a Tesla, okay? Where am I going to go charge a Tesla? How many places do I know that has a charging space for a Tesla, even if I could afford it? No, I'm going to buy a gas-guzzling fucking SUV because it's the affordable <laughs> thing to do. And I hate to say it, but it's the it's it, at the end of the day, it's, it, it, it you know... I'm not, I'm not going to pay a $30,000 premium to buy uh, a Tesla. Okay. So I think we need to understand that people are, most of the world is still driving regular gasoline combusting engine cars. And, you know, we have so many resources here. Why can't we just drill the oil ourselves? I don't know. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it. I don't know. I think you make a good point. I mean, there there are, for the record, there are cheaper electric cars available on the market. Um, I I actually had the the misfortune of driving a, a an electric smart car for a couple of years. Yikes! Um, <laughs> not my better not my better days. I was uh, bumming a ride off of my parents uh, using their car, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, if if you're not buying a Tesla. Uh, you're and you're buying a much cheaper electric car it's crap it just sucks especially yeah. in canada where you know you actually have to um heat your vehicle heat or cool your vehicle we have oh, yeah. crazy temperature shifts in canada yes um, yes so whenever you're heating your your vehicle with uh, with gasoline um, it's like free excess heat like it doesn't you're not going to spend more on gas because you turned the heater up with an electric car, that is not the case. Uh, when you when you use your heater in an electric car, your battery power just takes a steep dive. It's it's terrible. Um, but anyways, I, I I really think that um, electric vehicles have a lot of potential, um, and there and it is moving in that direction. Yeah. But it's we're not there yet. And well, yeah, and that you know, and you know what's interesting. You say that we are moving in the right direction. We are seeing them, right? And like maybe if you're like a manager or or at a higher level of than what I'm in terms of salary, maybe you've worked your way up and you have a you maybe you're making a hundred k a year or something like that. Yeah, a Tesla, leasing a Tesla, owning a Tesla 
whatever, fine, good for you. You know, power to you. If, you. if you live close to a charging station at your local supermarket parking lot or at your mall, by all means, buy a Tesla, enjoy yourself, go plug it in and, and life is great. Um, but let me tell you this, we actually, when I was buying my, my RAV, my Toyota RAV4, we looked at the entry level, which was we, what we purchased. It's our first car. So we did purchase an SUV, but it was an entry level SUV, right? Thinking ahead to when we have babies or if we move or, or if we need to buy furniture, we wanted something that was like roomy, but also entry level. And let me tell you, the key difference in price between an entry level gas only SUV and a hybrid is about five to $10,000. Absolutely. Basically, you whatever you would have saved on gas, just add that onto the premium. Just add that onto the premium. And I know some people in my neighborhood that drive it and, and, and yeah, you get a couple extra bells and whistles. Maybe you have an electronic uh, automatic door opener for the back trunk and you can switch to electric if you're, if you're in doing city driving or whatever. But for me, it's just not worth the five to 10 grand premium I'm going to pay. So I guess the one thing that I'll take away from this conversation or that I want listeners to take away from my point of view of this conversation, Alex, is when we get to a point where there's more charging stations readily, readily available or where Tesla can come down in price or a Tesla-like competitor can improve its quality, I will go electric. But until those conditions are met, I'm going to continue pumping my gas into my fucking gas guzzling SUV. <laughs> and I will cheer you on. Uh, so Elon Musk himself came out and uh, chimed in on the whole gas prices matter. Um, I'll read the, the tweet. So he says, yeah. hate to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. Extraordinary times demand extraordinary measures. Obviously, this would negatively affect Tesla, but sustainable energy solutions simply cannot react instantaneously to make up for Russian oil and gas exports. There you go. Yeah. That's the man yeah. right there. He said it. Well, that's the lockdown load, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, you have Elon <laughs> Musk's opinion. So, we'll, no, no, that, that is, it is a good quote, though. I appreciate I've seen that, that, that tweet floating around so i'm glad you shared it i mean that's that's it i mean like this is an extraordinary time and you know like the the liberal politicians they just have have this smirk on their face as the prices are going up uh inflation is going up and somehow they feel like they are not to blame for any of this um i think it's pretty clear that that the decisions that they've made you know, even even before the whole Russia thing, we, we were already seeing gas prices going up. Yeah, totally. Lot, totally. You know? And and it's just this smugness on the left that's that's driving me nuts. It's like, you know, they're they they really don't care that much. Um, yeah. You know, you've got uh, uh, um, Stephen Colbert on The Late Show. Uh, you know, has a pretty interesting take. I mean, basically, you know, he's of this attitude that like I make $10 million a year. Um, I really don't need to, uh, I really don't care if it's, you know, $15 a gallon. It doesn't even matter to him. I'm just going to go ahead and play that right now. Do it. Since the invasion, oil prices have skyrocketed. Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over $4 per gallon. Okay. 
That stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. I'm willing to pay. It's important. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen Colbert. Thank you for telling us how much you are willing to pay making yeah, $10 yeah. million dollars a year and you drive a Tesla. Yeah, 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 totally, Thank you. And And yeah. the, the, the problem with this line of thinking, and, and it's not just Stephen Colbert. You know, I, I've talked to um, people that I know, uh, family members who are, you know, liberal voters, and they feel like, you know, it's just a, it's a couple extra bucks. You know, what is it? What's the big deal? Pay an, an extra couple of bucks and, you know, stick it to Putin and, you know, um, uh, it'll sort of force people to move on to electric vehicles. And it's like, it's a very narrow minded perspective yeah. of what's going on here, because it's not just the gas that you're putting in your tank. It's the cost of groceries. It's the cost. 100%. It's the cost of everything going up. It's basically, you know, people, uh, trying to earn a living, um, you know, increase their wages so that they can afford, uh, you know, to support their families and then have all of those increases in their wages wiped out overnight yes. uh, because the cost of living has gone up. All 100%. of a sudden you're, you know, you went to school, you got a degree, a diploma, a license of some kind, all of a sudden you're making a little bit more money. Great. However, um, you know, all of these policies have been put in place that have driven up inflation um, they're also jacking up uh, minimum wage, and next thing you know, you're you're making a couple bucks more than minimum wage after all that effort. And so, you know what? It's a, it's a compounding effect. So I again, we're this is going to be a boring podcast because I'm just going to keep nodding my head and smiling and saying yes, Alex, good. I agree with you. Good, hundred <laughs> percent. So and, and you have to remember that you know, as we started to inch our way out of this pandemic, we've seen in the last six months you know, three to six months or so, right? Record number, record highs of inflation just by, on its own, right? You have to think about the, this COVID. There's a couple different things here, right? There's the pandemic, which in itself has seen, you know, prices of meat, dairy, the staples um, increasing. So your trip to no frills or Metro or Loblaws, where, where have you, is already becoming more expensive on its own, right? <laughs> And then, and then you take the war in with Russia and Ukraine and the whole, you know, political, whatever, all that nonsense going on and our dependency on foreign oil. And then we're seeing the pain at the, at the pumps there. Right. So on, on the one hand, you're seeing groceries go up. On the other hand, you're seeing pain at the pumps, $1.70, $1.80, $1.90 in Ontario here for, for a fucking liter of gas. But you have to remember that they're compounded and they go together. And that's the point that I think you and I want to drive home here is that those eggs to get from the farmer to, to the Costco or from the farmer to the Sobeys, someone has to drive that, right? Someone has to drive that meat after it's been butchered, right? It has to get to the, gro get to the grocery store, right? And so you're going to see on top of the already high inflation that you're seeing in the grocery store, you're going to see an even more compounded in extreme inflation because of, you know, these drivers, these drivers are not going to absorb the cost, right? These distribution um, 
companies are not going to, whatever it happens to be, you know, these drivers are not going to absorb the cost. Are you kidding me? Nope. No, they're going to pass it on to the grocer. Who's going to pass it on to the consumer. So let's say a carton of eggs costs you $4 now. It might cost you six, $6 in two months. Right? So you have to remember that when the price of oil and thus gasoline goes up, the fucking price of everything else goes up too. Well, couldn't agree with you more. Luckily, Vice President Kamala Harris has come up with a solution for all of this. Okay. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and, and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. Wow. <laughs> what do you even say about that in the middle of an energy crisis yeah eight dollars yeah. a gallon a, yeah. a dollar and 90 cents a liter imagine just use your imagination just use your imagination peter pan you know peter you know pan. you on, know just, a little little twinkerbell is going to come down and uh and uh, give me a slice of cake you know i'm like no Oh my God. I just, I feel like she's on some sort of like imaginary cloud in some sort of imaginary fairy tale world. She has I don't to even be on know what drugs. She has or on to be drugs, on drugs, on some sort of fine drug that I wish I could get my hand on right now. No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, it is. And it's so wild, man. It is so wild. Um, and, and what gets me even more, and I don't, I don't, I hope you, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes here. But one of the things I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet was the fact that starting April 1st, Justin's going to just tack on a little bit more onto your carbon tax when you go to the pump. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're getting there. We got to talk about the carbon tax. Did I jump ahead a little bit? No, no. I don't, I don't think so. No, this is perfect timing. So it's, And it's so funny because so, so and, and, and Jason Kenny, uh, the leader of the, uh, is it, he's the leader of the conservatives in, in uh, Alberta. Um, and Patrick Brown, the former leader of the conservative party, who's now the mayor of Brampton, have both said, and I've read these articles in the National Post, Justin, this is the worst time. And I just have to nod my head and say, yes, Justin, this is the worst time. When, you're, when, you're, when, when, when the world is at war and you're seeing these fluctuations and crazy rise, you know, rising of, of, of oil prices, um, this is not the time to tack on another carbon tax. I understand the carbon tax. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I understand in principle why it's there. I understand the principle of it. But when you're, when you're paying $1.90 at the tank, this is not the fucking time to jack up the price per liter by adding your little, you know, um, carbon tax to make sure that you're reducing your carbon footprint, whatever. Fuck you, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> I hate I, to say I hate it. to, I, well, I hate to burst your bubble there, Stoops, but let me tell you one thing Justin Trudeau does not care about. And that is the cost of living for Canadian families. Um, he, he genuinely does not care about yeah. 
Oh, you're not bursting any, my bubble because I, I, I know that he doesn't. Drives, uh, drives an SUV. He does not care about the average family putting food on their table. What he cares about is uh, similar elites in Europe and their opinion of him. That's why during the middle of an energy crisis, he is doing a photo op tour uh, in the Ukraine, taking smiling pictures in front of Ukrainian soldiers. Um, there's no question that that his priorities do not have anything to do with the cost of living in Canada. No. Yet people continue to vote for him, you know, thinking that, oh, this will be what's best for the next generation, uh, being duped by these uh, little promises of, oh, we're going to have free health care, uh, you know, oh, we're going to have um, free child care, stuff like that. Like all these these you know, uh, fictional ideas that have yet to come to fruition. And, you know, like I I know several people that voted for him because he talked about childcare. And the fact of the matter is he just used that as a tool to get reelected. Nothing has happened in terms of childcare. Um, You know, nothing, nothing has happened in terms of all these, these promises that he makes. Yet people yeah. continue to vote for him, and it drives me. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Yeah, and I have to remember. I no, and it drives me nuts too. And I have to remember that you helped shape me into the. I don't want to say conservative. I, I'm 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 centrist, centrist. right? Um, and so I, you know, I, I will reiterate the fact that yes, for the last two elections, um, I have voted conservative, and I'm not voting for conservatives because of necessarily because of their social policies. And I'll reiterate this again, I vote for them because of my pocketbook. And this is someone who's gotten into his mid thirties, purchased my first car, purchased my first home, worked up the corporate ladder. And now I see how hard it works to make a dime, especially in Ontario, especially in Toronto. You know the value of a dollar. I know the value of a dollar. Like I'm, I'm paying, you know, my wife and I are paying property taxes. We're paying insurance. We're paying skyrocketing grocery bills we're filling up the gas tank we're paying a car loan this that and the other so i know the value of a dollar i know how much it costs to live and have a decent life here in toronto and i don't even have a kid yet like you have a kid that you're trying to raise here not trying to our kid that you are raising right and so add diapers on top of that right baby food formula all that stuff all the stuff that i don't have to worry about add that on top of that and that's what you're facing and so, so that's why I voted conservative is because we have to vote with our pocketbooks. And, and so, and so when I was reading into this, um, I thought maybe the carbon tax was a couple cents per liter, isn't it? Like, and so when the more it's I did about, and the more I looked into it, it's like 13 cents, isn't it? Yeah. I, right now, I think the gas prices are about 13 cents more expensive. Because um, of the carbon tax. Yeah. Because of the yeah. carbon tax. Which is wild. So if you think about, if you think about, really what you're paying for 10% just under 10% of that is the government basically kicking in the, in the ass for having a for having a gas car instead of an electric car and it's crazy to me like i'm not saying we definitely shouldn't have a carbon tax yeah. um like i i mean if you are the person that says yes we should have a carbon tax you should at least be saying well, what happens in the event of an energy crisis? Can we at yes. least have the option to take that tax off yes. uh, when the prices spike unimaginably? Um, yes. You know, if I'm just putting myself 
in the mind of a liberal that really wants a carbon tax. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's senseless just to say, oh, just tack on as many taxes as you want. Giving the, the government more money to waste on bullshit um, is never going to solve the environment problem that we For have. For sure. Uh, global sure. warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. Giving the government more money is not going to solve climate change. <laughs> That's and you know, you know what, what the way that I think about it, because again, today I was doing a lot of research about, around how oil is priced, the carbon tax, and how all this stuff works. Because oil pricing is very, very complicated. And the more I read about it today, the more my mind started to go blurry because I couldn't, I'm not a, I'm not a, an economist, right? I know a little bit about marketing, but I'm not a big picture business guy by any means. But I was reading Investatopia, Investatopia, okay? And I was reading about just how many different factors go into oil pricing, right? There's the volatility of the market. There's the US dollar, the Canadian dollar. It goes up against currency as well. So the dollar moves all kind of in, in kind of sort of along with with oil right like there's connections around if the dollar swing in one way oils so there's there's connection there with currency there's there's international politics there's opec and the price fixing with opec meaning opec's basically a cartel it's a collection of countries and, and just for the record china us canada and russia are not part of opec right but just to give you an example opec is i think 13 different countries um, that are that are in an agreement. Uh, a lot of Middle oil. Eastern countries. Yeah, a lot of Middle Eastern countries that are that are together, and they've bound themselves like in this sort of kind of kind of agreement. And what they do is they fix oil prices. That's what they do. And so you have so many different factors. You have OPEC. You have international politics. You have uh, domestic uh, stuff. So there's just so many different factors that go into oil pricing that it actually makes my head spin. Um, and I'm not going to try and explain all of it here, but I just wanted to get across the point that it's extraordinarily complicated um, how oil is priced out. And you have to remember that the price of gasoline is influenced, I think about 43% is, is reflective of oil prices. So if gasoline costs go up and down, up and down, 40, around 40 to 45% of that is influenced by the price of crude oil, mm -hmm. right? So this is all stuff that I was learning today, but no matter how you do the math, for me as an individual consumer paying this carbon tax, it just doesn't add up to like to, to like what you said. I don't think it the the benefits outweigh the negativity of of how it's affecting consumers. So if I was in government, right? If I was a politician, I would say keep the carbon tax. But put it, put the onus on corporations. I don't think individuals should be affected by the carbon tax. I don't care if blah 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 incorporated has to pay a carbon, uh, pay a tax, an extra tax because they're emitting so much um, emissions from their smokestacks. I don't care about that. You know, tax the corporations. I don't care. But when it comes to individual, you know, Jane and John Doe, why did they have to suffer up the pumps? That's that's my angle. I like when it came to the carbon tax debate, the debate is basically over. Justin Trudeau won. He tacked on the uh, the extra taxes onto fuel. Uh, but back when that debate was still happening, my my feeling was that 
you know, again, giving the giving the government more money is not going to solve the problem. That's why I felt that um, that corporations that are polluting should be uh, instead of paying a tax should be required to invest a certain amount of their profits into some sort of green en energy, uh, preferably right. nuclear, um, you know, something that actually works, something that could actually uh, solve the problem. Um, you know, maybe not windmills and solar farms and crap, <laughs> yeah. crap like that. Like yeah. something that, that could actually work, you know, uh, basically force uh, big polluters to yeah. invest their profits into something that yeah. that might actually work and might actually, um, you know, create a return for them on their investment. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. And and maybe what I said was a little off base. I guess what I'm saying is even if we even if the government regulators, whoever, went in your direction, I would be more I would be more favorable to that. And I'm gonna smile and nod and say yes. So even if we went in that direction where it's, hey, you're a manufacturer of X, Y, and Z, you're creating a lot of pollution. You have to re you have to invest those profits into sustainable pro you know energy like like nuclear like you said i'm all for that i guess the only key point that i was trying to say is you know earlier is that the average person when they go to the pumps should not suffer mm -hmm. um because of these carbon taxes that are being implemented put the onus whether that's a tax or whether like what you said a, a, a profit investment an investment diverting profits towards sustainable energy put the onus on the big polluters not Jane and Tom who are just trying to drive their kid to soccer practice. Exactly. And and the thing is the liberals were never able to offer up like an actual price for how much the cost of living would increase. Um, you know, by increasing uh, carbon taxes, you know, they they wouldn't say like how much your your actual um your actual grocery bill was going to go up as a result of that. The thing is, when when they tax you um, on your income, you know exactly to the penny how much you're going to pay in taxes. Yeah. But with the carbon yeah. tax, there is no accountability. There's no um, explicit amount that you're paying as a result of that. It's yeah, just like when you get your receipt, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't say, "Well, Andrew, Andrew, you just bought seventy dollars worth of gas. Here's the line item for how much it's it's going back in this much into schools, this much into energy plans." Yeah, exactly. You don't see that breakout, so yeah. you just yeah. And and that I think that's what what bothers me about. I love Canada. I love. I don't mind paying, you know, the taxes that we do, knowing that we have socialized healthcare and that we have that our money is more or less our tax you know, is more or less going to good things, right? Hospitals, doctors, whatever, schools, this and that, whatever, right? But the, but the thing is, sometimes I get frustrated because then I, I ask myself, like, when we see something like a carbon tax or whatever, it makes me question, like, how much of that is just getting rolled up into, like, administrative bullshit? Because oh, yeah. one of the things I was talking to my mom government. about, I was... Well, yeah, the administrative bullshit of the government, the red tape, the administrative crap, right? And I think that's why, as I got, I've gotten a little bit older, I, I kind of lean a little bit more conservative, again, from a fiscal or managerial standpoint, not necessarily the, the social side, but from a manage, in terms of government management and in terms of fiscal responsibility, 
I believe that in some areas we could we could benefit from less administration and smaller uh, government. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think there are certain areas, schools, you know, funding um, research or support for people with autism or whatever. There are certain areas where you cannot cut back. There are certain social uh, certain social services where you need to spend. That is a given, right? Um, and I and I and I have to acknowledge that, right? Healthcare being another one, we 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 need to spend on healthcare. Um, but there are some areas where we could pull back and kind of cut back some of that bureaucracy and and better manage the ta tax dollar. I don't I don't know. Do you think that there's? I think there's a fine balance, don't you? Don't you? Absolutely. I mean. Like I have no problem paying taxes. I'm happy to pay taxes knowing that it's going to pay for public transit, it's gonna pay for healthcare and uh, roads, everything like that. But knowing that the, the government is still gonna go, you know, billions of dollars into debt, uh, you know, running insane deficits and that all of this money that I'm paying in taxes is, is not enough to cover the extreme spending that's going on. It sickens me. Well, yeah. Just another, just just another note on the uh, the carbon tax. One of the yes. one of the things that the liberals um, said in order to get this passed was that okay, it's not really a tax because all of the money that we that we take in, um, it, uh, what was it? revenue neutral was the was the word that they were using. That was the catchphrase. Oh, it's going to be a revenue neutral tax, meaning. All the money that we take in, we're going to give directly back to families. So families are not going to feel the, the pinch as a result of that. Uh, Andrew Stupart, have you received a check from Justin Trudeau uh, as a rebate from the carbon tax? Sure as hell fucking not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew the answer before I even asked the question. Nobody has received a dime no, as a no. result of this. This has basically just gone into the government's pocket. Um, they've mismanaged the finances. God only knows where that money has gone. And on top of that, we're driving up the, uh, the deficit to an insane amount. Historically, yes. Yes. we have not seen a deficit like this since yes. World War II. Um, we're, we're in peacetime right now, and the economy is good. Uh, generally, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no reason why we should be seeing deficits like this. Um, revenue neutral, my ass. Uh, this yeah, guy and you, have to, you have to remember, you have to remember um, that, yes, we are feeling it at, in the, we are feeling the, econ we are, sorry, we are feeling the effects of inflation in the grocery store, yes. We are feeling the effects of the polit political nonsense, the war with Ukraine at the gas pumps. We're seeing all that nonsense at the gas pumps every time I, I fill up my SUV, right? But don't forget, in the bigger picture, the you know when I, when your daughter is paying taxes eighteen years from now, right? It's going to be going to service the interest on the debts that we have. Absolutely. It's not as if, so when we, when we dig ourselves into this giant hole that we did coming, I mean, mind you, we had to do something. It was a pandemic and you had, you had, you know, business owners who were suffering. So in, in, in all fairness, CERB 
was required. Some level of assistance for business owners or bartenders who were out of work or, or baristas or whoever was out of work, um, people being laid off, they needed some support, 100%, 100%. But the problem is, is that Justin continues, continues, continues to spend even like, like, like there is no consequences, right? And, and to your point, we're, we're almost a trillion dollars in debt. In terms of our deficit, it's around three, 400 billion, right? Yep. And so it's not me and you that are going to feel the, the brunt of that in 20 years. It's your daughter, right? Who's going to be servicing that fucking debt. I think we're, we're already feeling it, but yeah, well, we are, but I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, we're definitely feeling it. What, what hundred percent we're feeling it. I wasn't trying to downplay the fact that we're feeling it. But what I'm saying is, is the generational tax. That's what I was trying to get at. So it's not only you and me, but your daughter is going to feel it when she, in 18, 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an unsettling feeling to look at my newborn daughter and realize that the odds of her ever being able to buy a house uh, are very small at this point. I, yeah. I don't think that that's, a, that's an overstating the fact. I think it's unlikely that my daughter will ever be able to afford a house. But I think that's a whole other podcast. I mean, we could do a whole other podcast about the housing crisis. Yeah. Um, and if we had a whole other hour, I would happily do a whole Stupart News rant about about the price of housing in Canada. But no, I guess I guess it is all interconnected. Right. And at the end of the day, whether it's housing or gas or groceries, we are feeling a kick in the butt. And that is going to there is going to be a perpetual. It's going to be perpetual. And it's and, and our and the next generation, as I said, is going to continue to pay for COVID for the years to come. Right. And not only COVID, but Justin Trudeau deciding that it wasn't enough to do serve. As I said, I have no issues with serve and and with helping people out. You know, when when they when they've been laid off because of COVID. But it's the continuous spiraling spending, which is spiraling us further and further and further into debt that I have a problem with. Absolutely. I mean. Again, I'm all for the environment and everything like that. Uh, you know, I want to obviously get off of fossil fuels eventually. There's no question. But the, yeah. the, the take home point here is that right now it is not worth nuking our energy supply and relying on foreign fascist dictators who are starting wars because we're enriching their countries, allowing them to build up their militaries and invade their neighbors. Um, and then we can, uh, you know, just sit smugly knowing that, oh, we're helping the environment um, there. It's despicable. Uh, the fact that Justin Trudeau is on his photo op tour across the Ukraine, uh, you know, he should be ashamed of himself. Uh, if you voted for Justin Trudeau and you have a Ukrainian flag on your Instagram, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm getting a little out of line there, but no, uh... <laughs> you're getting, you know what? You're getting a little passionate and, and I'm not seeing all the connecting of the dots that you're doing here, but I, I agree with the overall sentiment that as much as Justin Trudeau puts on that happy face and he's a good salesman and he's a good speaker and he's, and he's good at, you know, painting a picture for Canadians at the end of the day. Um, it is a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of smiling, you know, in, in the camera and then behind the scenes, you know, doing a little bit of something else and not living up to his promises. And this again is why I did, I've changed my tune over the last four five to five years and I've ticked off that little conservative box. 
um, because I'm sick of Justin Trudeau's lies. I'm sick of him selling us these fantasies. Um, and like yourself, of course, I don't like the idea of, of, you know, I will have a kid one day like yourself, I will be a father. And I don't like the idea of, of my child, you know, living in a world of, of, of an ozone layer that's been burnt away by, by, you know, rich uh, clouds of smoke and, 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 and all this stuff. I hate the idea of, of polluting the water and, or, or even the thought of, of swimming in Lake Ontario, like Lake Ontario has been decimated by years and years of pollution. Like I remember my mother would take us to the beach in Burlington and she would be like, you can play a little bit in the water, but don't go all the way in. Basically saying it's <laughs> fucking disgusting. So of course I, 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 I feel badly about, about the state of the environment, but at the end of the day, um, like you said, I'm going to go back to the original point that I made. And we're going to take it, you know, to a conclusion here to say that I don't have 70 grand tucked away for a, a Tesla. Um, there's not enough charging ports out there on the one hand. And to your point, Nissan Leafs or whatever fucking smart car it happens to be, they're just not up to what they need to be. I just don't think that electric vehicles are at the place yet where the co common folk can embrace it to the full extent. And until the day comes where electric vehicles are easily accessible to the public, to the average public, I am going to happily put gas in my, you know, in my SUV. And I really wish I wasn't paying a dollar fucking 90 at the pump. <laughs> as simple as that, you know, like that, that's the, that's the least of the problem is the, is the cost of the gas. Uh, the, the, the real problem is that we're enriching foreign dictators. We're, we're in order to cleanse our conscience. We're cleansing our conscience with the blood of innocent Ukrainian civilians. How does that feel? How's that for a tagline? I well, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to fully understand like all the again. Well, like well, I said earlier, it's indirect. It's indirect. But think about it. Like we have been paying extremely high gas prices. Uh, countries that have been selling oil have been benefiting from these high gas prices, uh, namely Russia. Uh, that allows them to build up their military, which is it's expensive to build and maintain a military. Um, and when you're making this much money of, off of your oil exports, um, it uh, it means that you are more willing to take risks with your economy, um, you know, such as invading your neighbor. So I think obviously but aren't we putting it's, sanctions it's in, in the whole point isn't the whole point that we're putting sanctions on them right now? Yeah, I mean it's it is hurting them, but but Europe has these pipelines that they've put in directly connecting up to Russia. Um, you know, and and what I'm also talking about is leading up to all of this conflict. Before the conflict actually happened, Russia was making bank, you know, when it was a dollar fifty, a dollar forty-nine cents per liter. You know, Russia was making bank on their their oil exports. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, as well as all the other countries, Venezuela, Iran, all the all these other places. Um, you know, you're you're enriching foreign dictators, and when they have lots of money, they do crazy shit. The world is a more dangerous place when you yes. rely on foreign oil. Yes, uh, this is true. This is true. Simple as that. You know, when yeah, like, and, and, and and going back to the very first clip that I played. Donald Trump, when Donald Trump was in office, 
we had 68 cents a liter. Do you remember that? And the, um, the political climate in the Middle East had never been more peaceful. Um, there was there was nothing going on in the Middle East because they weren't making tons of money off of oil. Um, you know these these dictators were not were not going mad with power uh, because Americans were were self sufficient on oil. They were they were um, energy yeah. independent, and uh, the price of gas was cheap. There was no wars. There was no blood yeah. being spilt yeah. over oil. And you know what? That's like if there's if there's one thing that you have to give credit to Donald Trump for, it's his management of the of the energy industry and uh, basically, you know, how there had been no wars started under his presidency. Well, yeah. And you know what? As as much as I don't like to say, yeah, like Trump can say, I told you so, whatever. In this case, Trump can say, I told you so. Oh, and so without, <laughs> and, and you know what, I, I, as we wrap things up here, I think we're just kind of going in circles saying the, saying the same things, but I do, you know, generally speaking, all the points you've made tonight, I do agree with. And at the end of the day, um, even if we put aside these dictators or political turmoil and wars and, and you know, blood oil, whatever you want to call it, put all that aside. At the end of the day, doesn't it make sense that we should, uh, you know, put work in our own, you know, create jobs in our own backyard. And, and, and we're sitting on these oil rich, we're sitting on the oil rich West. Like, why aren't we, yeah. it just seems so ridiculous that we just can't do what we did before and, uh, and frack and just get that liquid gold that's sitting out there in uh, Fort McMurray. Yeah. And do it, do it, um, you know, sensibly, you know, in as environmentally po- uh, friendly as possible. Anyways, thank you, Stupart, for uh, chiming in tonight. I feel like we uh, are pretty much in agreement on everything. Yes. It uh, doesn't yes. happen very often here on the Lockdown Lowdown, but uh, rest assured there's plenty more episodes to come. Uh, so if you're listening to this, um, you know, please uh, check out our Facebook page, sh- like, subscribe, share it with your friends, and we will see you next week.